Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks drop and yields rise on concerns the Fed will remain hawkish. The Bank of England is forced to expand its emergency measures to tackle chaos in the bond market. The route in chip stocks continues around the world. And G7 leaders weigh their response to Russia's missile barrage on Ukraine. A woman has been arrested in the fatal attack on a man on a Bronx bus. Plus a feisty debate between the two Senate candidates in Ohio. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Chiefs rallied to top the Raiders. The Yankees begin their playoff series with Cleveland, and it's opening night for the Rangers. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 34 points, Dow futures down 248, and NASDAQ futures down to 98. Ten-year Treasury down 15, 30 seconds, yield 3.94 percent, and the yield on the two-year 4.32 percent, and NYMEX crude oil is down 2.7 percent. Nathan. Karen, today's drop in futures follows four straight losing sessions on Wall Street. This morning, yields on two-year treasuries are trading at the highest level since 2007, and 10-year yields are flirting with 4%. 30 years surged to their highest since 2014. Jordan Kahn is chief investment officer at ACM Funds. A lot of these areas of the market and the fixed income market are really getting oversold here. They've come down quite a bit. Yields are much higher than we've seen in years. And so I think as soon as the market gets a sense that inflation is peaking, um, and 10-year and, and yields start to stabilize more. You know, I think there could be a lot of good buying opportunities, but for us, you know, we're not going to put the cart before the horse. Jordan Kahn at ACM Fund says the mood remains fragile ahead of Thursday's inflation data. Well, as for equities, Nathan, perhaps the hardest sector hit in the recent sell-off has been chip stocks. In fact, more than $240 billion in market value has been wiped out since the White House imposed curbs on China's access to semiconductor technology. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The industry sold off globally after fresh U.S. curbs on China's access to American technology added to a disappointing start to the earnings season, stoking concern that the industry's downturn is far from over. The Philadelphia Stock Exchange Semiconductor Index fell 3.5%, closing at its lowest level since November of 2020. The index has dropped nearly 10% over the past three trading days and is now down more than 40% so far this year. 
in New York. Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. And the chip sell-off continued overnight, leading stocks lower in Asia. Let's get more on that from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Some of the biggest losses were in chip-related equities in Japan, South Korea and Taiwan, where traders returned from holidays to join the global sell-off in semiconductor shares. Taiwan's Taiex traded at November 2020 lows, while TSMC shares fell as much as 8.5%, the most on record to July 2020 lows. The yen traded within sight of the original level that spurred Japanese authorities to defend the currency in September, and the yuan slid as worry mounts that Beijing will uphold its COVID-0 policy well after to the Chinese Communist Party Congress this month. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Well, in Europe this morning, the Bank of England has been forced to expand its emergency measures. That's in response to chaos in the bond market. And let's go live to London and get the latest from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. It's the second time this week the UK's central bank has moved to calm the bond market. This morning, the Bank of England expanded the scope of its gilt purchases to include inflation-linked debt in an effort to avert what it called a fire sale. The intervention comes after a severe sell-off on Monday that saw UK inflation-linked yields surging by the most on record. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thanks. The risk of a global recession is now rising thanks to higher rates. That's according to the head of the International Monetary Fund and World Bank President David Malpass. There's the, the risk and the real danger of a world recession next year. The advanced economies are, are slowing in Europe. The debt levels for the developing countries are getting more and more burdensome. The rise in interest rates puts added weight on it. And inflation is still a major problem for, for everyone, but especially for the poor. Those comments from World Bank President David Malpass are being echoed by J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. He says here, serious headwinds are likely to push the U.S. and global economies into recession by the middle of next year. Meantime, Nathan, the Fed keeps banging the drum for higher rates. Still, Vice Chair Lyle Brainerd lays out a case for caution as the central bank works to curb inflation. In light of elevated global economic and financial uncertainty, moving forward deliberately and in a data-dependent manner will enable us to learn how economic activity, employment, and inflation are adjusting to the cumulative tightening in order to inform our assessment of the path of the policy rate. Fed Vice Chair Lyle Brainerd made the comments yesterday at a meeting at the National Association for Business Economics in Chicago. Well, despite some caution, Karen, it's too early for a Fed policy pivot. That's according to strategists at Goldman Sachs, who say the economic outlook is not bad enough yet and rates markets remain too volatile. Economists predict the Fed is on track to deliver its fourth straight 75 basis point hike at next month's meeting. Now let's get the latest on the war in Ukraine. Nathan, Russia has launched even more strikes in the country just a day after the most intense barrages since the early days of the invasion. President Biden will speak with a group of seven leaders this morning. He's pledging to impose more costs on the Kremlin and to keep providing support to Kiev. John Herbst is a former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine and now senior director of the Atlantic Council's Eurasia Center. Putin's objective is not to take a bit of territory in Ukraine's east. His objective today is to take political control of Ukraine. And his objective tomorrow, once he has Ukraine in his pocket, is to go after other states, including our NATO allies. So he is coming for our NATO allies, whom we are bound to defend with American troops. Former ambassador to Ukraine John Herbst spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. 
S&P futures right now are down 32 points. Dow futures down 238. NASDAQ futures are lower by 91 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 15, 30 seconds. The yield 3.94%. NYMEX crude trading at $88.64 a barrel. Local headlines and a check of sports up next. This is Bloomberg. It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 54 degrees in Central Park. Got an issue in Neptune, New Jersey. Route 35 is closed both ways by Lake Avenue. I'll tell you why shortly. First, Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A woman has been arrested in the fatal stabbing of a man during an argument aboard an MTA bus in the Bronx. Lamont Barkley, who was 55, is the eighth person to be killed in the transit system this year. The NYPD says Barkley got into a verbal dispute with a man and woman believed to be boyfriend and girlfriend on a bus Sunday night. Authorities say the argument escalated and the man stabbed Barkley multiple times in the stomach. Detectives yesterday said 42-year-old Ebony Jackson was arrested in connection to the stabbing. The man is still on the loose. It was a feisty debate in Ohio last night between two Senate candidates. Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan and Republican J.D. Vance were on Ohio's Next Star Media. President Trump endorsed Vance. He talks about wanting to support a stronger border. He talks about wanting to be bipartisan and get things done. Well, Tim, you've been in Congress for 20 years, and the border problem has got worse and worse and worse. Ryan on his opponent. J.D. Vance raised money for the legal defense fund of the insurrectionists. This is the kind of extremism, J.D., that we wholly reject. You have video posts. Don't even try to deny it. The race could determine which party controls the U.S. Senate. A pro-Russia hacker group that has targeted several government websites has taken responsibility for coordinated attacks targeting dozens of U.S. airports, including LaGuardia. John Holtquist, head of intelligence analysis at cybersecurity firm Mandiant, says KillNet has been targeting mainly U.S. government websites and other systems globally. Previously, they've carried out attacks all over Europe. They've carried out attacks in Japan, even. So it's, it's sort of a global problem. But you know, a lot of it is a lot of it is tied to the, the war in Ukraine. Holtquist told ABC no flights were disrupted as a result of the attacks. The Supreme Court will hear arguments today over a California animal cruelty law that could raise the cost of bacon and other pork products nationwide. It involves a California law that says pork sold in the state needs to become from pigs treated humanely. A majority of unionized railroad workers voted to reject a tentative labor agreement brokered in part last month by President Joe Biden. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? Thanks, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Good morning, Nathan. The Mets postseason is over. Now the Yankees postseason begins. Game one with Cleveland tonight. It'll be Garrett Cole versus the Guardians' Cal Quantrill. 18 years ago, his father, Paul, was a Yankee reliever who served up the David Ortiz game-winning homer in Game 4 of the ALCS that began that Red Sox comeback from 3 nothing down. Aaron Boone met the media yesterday, was asked if the crowd will be like it was when Aaron Judge was chasing Roger Maris. Yankee Stadium in the playoffs, it's going to be pretty raucous, I would imagine, tomorrow night. A lot of energy in the building, a lot of anticipation, certainly when Aaron's up because it's Aaron Judge and, and what he can do. But, no, I don't think it'll be necessarily similar to 
you know, when he was 60, 61, and stuff like that. I think it's going to be the playoffs. The three other division series, all just that. Intra-division, Phillies and Braves in Atlanta, Mariners and Astros in Houston. 39-year-old Justin Verlander will start for the Astros, coming off a brilliant regular season. Padres and Dodgers in L.A. The Dodgers won the season series with San Diego 15-4. to the Mets offseason underway. A lot of decisions to be made. Mets could have as many as 10 free agents, and the list will include Jacob DeGrom, Edwin Diaz, and Brandon Nimmo. When we last saw the Rangers, they were losing to Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Conference Final. Rangers in lightning tonight at the Garden to begin a new season. Wild Monday night at a cap week five. Raiders led the Chiefs 17-0. KC came back. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey Cook hooked up for four touchdowns. Raiders scored with a look at the game tying TD with four and a half minutes left. They went for two, didn't get it. Chiefs held on to win 30 to 29. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thanks. S&P futures now down 29 points. Dow futures down 215. NASDAQ futures are lower by 82 points. The 10-year treasury is down 14.30 seconds. Yield 3.94%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and stocks are falling, pressured by rising treasury yields and signs that company earnings are set to disappoint, a gauge of the dollar climbing to the highest this month. The mood is fragile ahead of Thursday's U.S. inflation data, with a case for another 75 basis point rate hike likely to be strong if the reading comes in higher than forecast. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 28 points, Dow futures down 205, NASDAQ futures down 85, the DAX in Germany's down down eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds, yield 3.94 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.31 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.6 percent on $2.37 at $88.75 a barrel. COMEX gold down two-tenths percent or $2.90 at $16.72.30 an ounce. The euro, 0.9715 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1070. And the yen, 145.66. And looking at Bitcoin, it's down eight-tenths of a percent at $19,000. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Biden and G7 leaders will hold a virtual meeting to discuss how to support Ukraine and hold Russian President Putin accountable for Russia's aggression. This comes as Russia recently carried out missile strikes across Ukraine, hitting major cities like Kiev. The U.S. Supreme Court could hear arguments in a high-stakes case today involving pork. The nation's $20 billion pork industry is asking the justices to strike down California's Proposition 12 that would ban the sale of all pork that comes from pigs raised in spaces that aren't large enough for them to turn around in. In football, the Chiefs beat the Raiders 30-29. 
In baseball game, one of the ALDS begins tonight for the Yankees. They play the Guardians. The NHL season begins tonight. The Rangers take on the Lightning. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? Thanks, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And let's get more now on what's happening in Ukraine following Russia's barrage on Kiev and other cities and as the G7 gets set to meet. Joining us now, Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson. So, Roz, get us up to speed on what's been happening since that barrage. I understand a lot of the attention now as far as uh, developments on the ground is back in the uh, so-called annexed territories in the south and east. Well, that's right. So after yesterday's missile attacks, which really struck across a a, a wide swath of Ukraine um, from the south to the east to Kiev, also across to Lvov in the west, sending the message that nowhere really in Ukraine remains totally safe at this point uh, from Russia's reach. This morning we had fresh strikes on Zaporizhia which is of course the area of annexed Ukraine that houses the key nuclear power plant. There's been a lot of focus on that plant since the war broke out. Of course the safety of the plant, its ability to keep operating um, in difficult circumstances and so on. So really we're seeing a, a string of attacks around that area in recent weeks. But certainly the message that we're getting from Russia as this war takes an even darker turn is that Vladimir Putin is not going to give up. Uh, he's not he's not willing to cede the ground, even as his troops struggle uh, to retain territory inside Russia. And if anything, he's escalating via these annexations, mobilizing his troops, and now, of course, stepping up his missile attack. Uh, that he's certainly not ready uh, to back down. I wanted to get a little deeper into where this could go from here, given the pressure that uh, Vladimir Putin, as I understand, is feeling from hardliners within his own country and the continued morale issues that we've been uh, witnessing uh, on the part of Russian troops in Ukraine. Well, that's right. You can see a real chorus coming from Russia in recent weeks, military bloggers, military hardliners and others criticizing this war quite publicly, saying they're, they're frustrated at the way it's going, at the level of organization, obviously the shambolic command structure that's come to, to play in Russia and really sort of disappointed that Russia hasn't made better ground. And that's put a lot of pressure on Vladimir Putin to show progress of, of some description and certainly not to be seen to be backing down. So the missile strikes yesterday during drawing some praise from those quarters inside Russia. And that really reinforces the fact, again, that it's very difficult to find an off-ramp at this point because uh, any sort of exit does require the Russian president to some extent to be able to say that he got something for all of this and claim some kind of victory, however small that might be. And equally, Ukraine's not going to cede territory in order to make that happen. So we're really at a, at a difficult point in this conflict. And that puts attention, of course, on the U.S. and the G7 leaders after President Biden just a few days ago had said that the U.S. was looking for that off-ramp for Vladimir Putin. Now the G7 is getting ready to meet in just a couple hours here. What are you looking for there? Well, what we're expecting are continued statements, obviously, of, of unity for Ukraine, of support for Ukraine, pledging to continue to send uh, Ukraine financial aid, which is really helping the government to continue to operate, but also to provide them weapons. What they are cautious about 
is providing the sorts of ever more powerful weapons that Ukraine says on a daily basis it really now needs to press its advantage. And that's sort of NATO standard weaponry, tanks, fighter jets um, and the very long-range missile systems that they're asking for. And there's been a lot of caution about sending any of that in because, of course, uh, the fear is that that would be seen as a direct provocation of the Russian president, perhaps NATO really putting itself into this confrontation and in a climate where the Russian president is dangling the potential use of nuclear weapons. Is that a place you want to go to? So it's unlikely to be tangible uh, statements in terms of more advanced weapons, but certainly expressions of continued support for Ukraine in its fight against Russia. And we'll, uh, of course, be uh, monitoring that G7 meeting and uh, passing along any developments as they come in. Bloomberg's Rosalind Matheson, our executive editor for international government, keeping us apprised of all that's happening in Ukraine and the global response. Roz, as always, great to have you with us. Right, looking ahead to the uh, market open this morning, we're poised for another session of losses, potentially, with S&P futures right now down 28 points. Dow futures down 208. NASDAQ futures are also lower, down 83 points. Uh, the selling continues in the bond market as well, with the 10-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds, with the yield at 3.93%, yield on the two-year at 4.31%. NYMEX crudes plunging down 2.5% or $2.26 at $88.85 a barrel. And the euro right now trading at 0. .9710 against the dollar. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunny today with a high near 70 degrees. Apache fog possible tonight, but it's going to be mostly sunny again tomorrow with a high near 70. Chance for showers Thursday. Right now, 54 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Well, U.S. futures are lower yet again after four straight losing sessions. Earnings and inflation data will be key this week. Some analysts expect a significant earnings drop, but that may not come to pass if inflation eases. That's according to Bloomberg Intelligence Chief Equity Strategist Gina Martin-Adams. The reality of the earnings stream is that inflation has been a big pain point for earnings. Revenues have been growing, but margins have been contracting amid the rising input cost pressure, even though companies have been able to pass on some price increases. So we might be somewhat surprised by the degree to which a drop in inflation can actually soothe some of those margin pressures. Gina Martin-Adams with Bloomberg Intelligence says she expects, quote, earnings confusion to continue into the next quarter. Well, chip stocks have been hit particularly hard in this recent sell-off, Karen. More than $240 billion in global market value has been wiped away after the White House imposed curbs on China's access to semiconductor technology. 
Meantime, Nathan, warnings of a global downturn are growing louder. The heads of the International Monetary Fund and World Bank warn of rising risks of a global recession. And J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is joining in, says saying serious headwinds could push the U.S. and global economies into recession by the middle of next year. Now, the Fed's still raising rates, Karen, but Vice Chair Lyle Brainerd is echoing some of Dimon's concerns, noting global tightening could spill back into the U.S. We're starting to see the effect on some sectors, but it's going to take some time for that cumulative tightening to transmit throughout the economy and for inflation to come down. Fed Vice Chair Law Brainerd made those comments yesterday at a meeting of the National Association for Business Economics in Chicago. When we turn now to the war in Ukraine, Nathan, where Russia is ramping up attacks, and now G7 leaders are holding an emergency meeting to discuss continued support to Ukraine. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The White House, in a statement, says the other aim will be to hold Russian President Vladimir Putin accountable for Russia's aggression. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky will participate at the top of the meeting. The group has already openly condemned the Russian missile attacks, but will discuss whether more military support will be forthcoming, as well as any potential economic sanctions on Vladimir Putin and Russia. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. And futures this morning are lower. S&P futures down 32 points. Dow futures down 231. And NASDAQ futures down 95. And the 10-year Treasury down 1630 seconds, yield 3.94%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 53 degrees in Central Park. Westbound 440s closed near the Outer Bridge Crossing on Staten Island. And Michael Barr's got more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. With less than a month to go until the midterm elections, Democratic Representative Tim Ryan squared off with Trump-backed Republican candidate J.D. Vance in a feisty Senate debate last night. Ryan speaking on Next Star Media about Vance. Donald Trump said to J.D. Vance, all you do is kiss my ass to get my support. Vance responded. We're going to take lectures on dignity and self-respect from a guy caught on video kissing up to Chuck Schumer. Both candidates in Ohio are polling close in a race that could determine which party controls the U.S. Senate. A woman was arrested yesterday in Sunday's fatal stabbing of a man during an argument aboard an MTA bus in the Bronx. Detectives say 42-year-old Ebony Jackson was arrested in connection to the stabbing. Police say Jackson's apparent boyfriend allegedly stabbed Lamont Barkley, who was 55. It is the eighth person to be killed in the transit system this year and the third within 10 days. The man is still on the loose. At least 14 airports around the U.S., including LaGuardia, reported their internal communications and advertising systems were hit by hackers believed to be Russian-based. The group known as Killnet claimed responsibility for the attack. John Holtquist, head of intelligence analysis at cybersecurity firm Mandiant, says it was a denial of service attack on the airport websites. It's essentially superficial. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that any back-end resources are being uh, affected or data is being lost or anything exactly like operations have, have been affected in any way. John Holtquist with Mandian told ABC no flights were affected. James Brennan, the San Antonio officer that shot an unarmed teenager who was eating inside of his car in a McDonald's parking lot, has been fired. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Yankees in Cleveland meeting in the postseason for the sixth time since 1997. Yankees have won three of the five, including a two-game sweep in a wild-card series two years ago. Yanks went 5-1 and one with the Guardians in the regular season, but Cleveland... Just won a wild card series with Tampa Bay where they allowed only one run in 24 innings. The Guardians start Cal Quantrill tonight at the stadium. Aaron Boone starts his ace. It's Garrett Cole, and because he came here and signed a huge contract and, you know, the long term and the ace of this staff, the New York Yankee staff, you know, nothing will ever be necessarily good enough. Um, but... I think he's had a very strong year. Cole set a new Yankee record for strikeouts of the season. The big Yankee concern will be Cleveland's Jose Ramirez. He had 126 RBIs. Only Aaron Judge had more in the American League. Had the Mets won one more game, they'd have won the division. They'd be hosting the Phillies today. They went 14-5 and against them. Instead, the Phillies are in Atlanta. The Phillies got hot after they fired Joe Girardi, promoted Rob Thompson. They've now given Thompson the job full-time. Another day football in Kansas City. Las Vegas led 17 to nothing. Patrick Mahomes brought the Chiefs back. Four touchdown passes. All to Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs won 30-29. to KC is 4-1. Vegas 1-4. All four losses by fewer than seven points. When the Giants were looking for a coach in 2019, they were interested in Matt Rule. He instead was hired by Carolina. The Panthers just fired him. They dropped the puck on a new NHL season tonight. First game at the Garden. Rangers in Tampa Bay. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Can't wait. Thank you, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Scott Carr. New York-based software maker Alchemy's raised $21 million in Series A funding, bringing its total finances to $26 million. The maker of software that helps business automate data workflows says they'll use the funds to expand hiring and product development and go to market strategies. Two family-owned New Jersey-based businesses have come together to create a one-stop, full-service interior-exterior cleaning maintenance business for commercial customers. Jadon Cleaning, an award-winning full-service commercial cleaning Cleaning Business has announced the acquisition of Pico Services Property Maintenance, which handles landscaping and property management. The Arizona College of Nursing's plans to enter the Connecticut market could be in trouble. In the face of allegations against the school regarding a lack of transparency, combined with pushback from some local colleges, the Arizona College had plans to open a campus in East Hartford. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Thank you, Scott. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on 1010 Winds in New York. We're talking about clothing maker Alpha Industries opening its first brick-and-mortar store, a pop-up in Soho. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on some signs of calm in the UK market after another intervention from the Bank of England in guilts using extraordinary language. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm talking about the Mayo Clinic getting a $100 million gift. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Crop giant Cargill sees developing nations cutting their demand for grains. I'm Scott Carr on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting on the hope that a postseason run by the Guardians translates into better attendance at Progressive Field in 2023. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Climate change is adding to the danger of severe storms, as Hurricane Ian in Florida recently made clear. Yet America's current approach to flood insurance discourages responsible choices about what gets built and where. When the hybrid public and private insurance market meets current disaster relief policy, the result is mispriced risk, misallocated investment, and a mounting toll of suffering and cost. In essence, the government is subsidizing people to live places that put them in danger. It's time for a rethink. After climate-related disasters strike, getting back to normal should no longer be the overriding goal. Help the victims, to be sure, but take action so that next time there will be fewer of them. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Futures falling once again. S&P futures down 33 points. Dow futures down 238. NASDAQ futures lower by 99 points. We'll talk about this market next with Linda Dissel, Senior Equity strategist at Federated Hermes. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine today, maybe some patchy fog overnight. We'll get up to near 70 degrees, mostly sunny, high near 70 tomorrow. Showers, maybe a thunder shower Thursday with highs once again near 70 degrees. Right now, 53 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and stocks are falling, pressured by rising treasury yields and signs that company earnings are set to disappoint, a gauge of the dollar climbing to the highest this month. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Futures are lower, S&P futures down 36 points, Dow futures down 256, and NASDAQ futures down 106. The DAX in Germany is down 1.3%, the 10-year treasury down 1930 seconds, yield 3.96%, and the yield in the two-year 4.33%. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.4% on $2.16 at $88.99 a barrel. COMEX gold is down a third of a percent or $5.50 at $16.69.50 an ounce. The euro, 0.9699 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1041. And the yen, 145.74. And looking at Bitcoin, it is down 1% at $19,000. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. U.S. officials are condemning the barrage of Russian missiles that struck several cities across Ukraine yesterday, one of Moscow's largest attacks in months. President Biden will meet virtually later today with members of the G7. A senior administration official says the group of world leaders are expected to discuss ways to aid Ukraine and continue punishing Russia. Today marks four weeks until the critical November midterm elections, which will decide which party controls Congress. U.S. Senate candidates in Ohio held their first debate last night. In football, the Chiefs beat the Raiders 30-29. In baseball game, one of the ALDS begins tonight for the Yankees. They play the Guardians. The NHL season begins tonight. The Rangers take on the Lightning.
Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we are joined now by Linda Dissel, Senior Equity Strategist at Federated Hermes, as we watch yet another sell-off on Wall Street. Linda, good morning. We may be poised for five straight losing sessions for the S&P 500. Is this market pricing in a recession? Uh, yes. Hi, good morning, Nathan. Uh, great to talk to you today. And is it is it pricing in a recession really not much of a recession, if at all, here in the United States? Uh, we look at the earnings risk premium. It's generally correlated to earnings growth. You would think that with all the concerns that are going on out there that uh, investors would require more of a premium to buy stocks, but that really hasn't moved that much in recent weeks. So the stock market, you know, it's it, it's going in fits and starts to be sure, and it's still reasonably stronger than what we at Federated Hermes think it will have to end up doing uh, before we can, you know, can really find some buying bottoms, some good, some good buying bottoms here. Well, where are you seeing signs of strength? What are you looking for in what particular sectors? Well, you know, if you look at the sectors of the stock market and relative PEs to the stock market in general over the last 30 years, still the energy patch remains the least expensive of them all. Of course, that's where the best earnings growth is coming. And if you strip out the the strong earnings growth from the energy sector, the rest of the marketplace is really pretty tepid here in terms of kind of maybe looking at a mild economic recession. So to us, that's our favorite one, but in general – those those more uh, defensive value-oriented sectors, the ones that give you the good dividend yields, that whole dividend space was ignored for five years. So it really looks inexpensive to still, even if it's gotten punished a bit in the month of September, uh, as this rotation keeps running around back and forth, you know, where should I uh, – what should I sell and what should I buy? Yeah, yeah I guess some uh, of that rotation – yeah, I guess some of that rotation is being driven, of course, by the speculation about what the Fed's going to do, whether we could see a pivot toward at least slower interest rate hikes. We continue to get that drumbeat from Federal Reserve officials that rates have to stay higher for longer. What's your outlook on where rates go from here? Yes, and, I, and actually, Nathan, that's kind of what we've been saying for months at Federated Hermes is higher for longer. And I think that uh, the marketplace has to slowly, slowly Come to realize that uh, that you know the, whatever that terminal rate is, if it's four and a half percent, that sh- that could be a victory because it might have to go five percent. And you know, usually you needed five percent Fed funds to really start to hit employment. Employment in, in this country is just too strong, and we talk about rates, but we're not talking enough probably about quantitative tightening, which I guess actually is what they're talking about over in the United Kingdom just today. You know, and uh, what that means for liquidity and maybe the quantitative tightening, maybe they should stop. We might come to that point here in the U.S. as well at the moment where the Fed needs to stop their tightening campaign um, get it, uh, as it really starts to hit this economy hard. Yeah, I wanted to ask you whether there's a risk that the Fed goes too far on interest rate hikes. What do you think it would take for the Fed to stop with the interest rate increases? Uh, yeah, I think that the Fed... Well, the Fed is really focused on the employment situation. Uh, in general, not so worried about the markets unless there's a financial accident. And I think that's what the, really the developed markets around the globe are going to be watching now for the next number of months 
is is the weakness that might that might show up somewhere is it a too strong dollar is it central banks tightening too much and liquidity is not there that whole liquidity idea is is really the big concern out there so uh so you know fed funds need to keep going up and quantitative tightening needs to happen but if at a moment it looks like there's a, a financial accident on its way in any particular country, they'll probably stop on a dime and, and um, reverse that tightening. Well, what's it going to mean for earnings? We've got the kickoff of earnings season coming up later this week. If we continue with this tighter Fed cycle and a stronger dollar, what's that going to mean for the earnings outlook? That's that's really the very interesting kind of the perverse situation that we find ourselves in now. It's not It's not just the U.S., but the U.S. as we as we look for earnings season, is extremely highly employed. You know, our, we have record job leavers at this moment. We have a very low unemployment rate in this country, as we do around the world. So we all complain about the uh, costs for whatever we want to buy going up, and then we pay for it. So up until this last quarter, corporate America has enjoyed uh, really continued strong earnings growth because the margins held up. Margins are starting to slip. And that is true. So the earnings growth will start to come down and maybe go negative here, but maybe not nearly as negative as the rest of the world because we're just too strong. I saw a statement just the other day said the economy is weirdly resilient. Yeah. That's what we've got going on here. It's weird, but it's resilient. So there's a very decent chance that earnings could beat expectations. I see going into this third quarter season, 7% decline in earnings is the expectation. Mm-hmm. Normally, that's for, and uh, usually the market rebounds when you right. when you have an over an over uh, reduction there. Weird but resilient. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Linda, for this. Linda Dissel with us this morning, senior equity strategist at Federated Hermes. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.55 on Wall Street. Time now for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. And today we're looking at dreamers remaining in limbo after a federal appeals court dealt another blow to their legal status. DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, is an Obama-era program that's preventing the deportation of hundreds of thousands of immigrants brought into the U.S. as children known as dreamers. Now, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that the DACA program contradicts federal immigration law. For more on the issue, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to immigration law expert Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight. Leon, the Fifth Circuit decision covers a lot of legal territory. Tell us about the broad parameters of it. Well, the Fifth Circuit decision is very interesting because it melds a lot of different concepts all into one decision. But basically what it says is that DACA is illegal, but we're not going to end DACA today. Go back to district court and tell us whether we're right about the new rule that was issued by the federal government while the original DACA case was pending changes something so that it makes the program converted from being illegal to legal. Does the new rule do anything different or does it fail for the same two reasons, which are that it contravenes the statute? and that it regulates in a place where there's not clear regulatory authority. And if it does, we'll strike it then, and then it'll be up to the Supreme Court to determine what happens next. It sounds like sending it back to the lower court is not a good omen for the dreamers, because it's a legal question the Fifth Circuit is sending back to the Texas judge to decide. And this is a judge who already ruled that DACA was unconstitutional. Correct. 
What this means is that they're sending back basically the same legal question they just answered in the memo case and basically asking the district court, does this new regulation, this new rule, do anything different than the memo? And if it does something different than the memo, tell us that maybe then the DACA recipients win. But if it doesn't, then the DACA recipients lose. And the truth of the matter is, the whole point of the regulation was just to eliminate the notice and comment argument. It wasn't to change anything else. And so I would say with 99.99999% certainty that the district court and the Fifth Circuit are going to invalidate the rule. And that's Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Nice, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. And our top stories are straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.